Going on, verse 30. I can do nothing on my own initiative. (laughs) My kids say that sometimes. Or I say it. You just lack initiative, you know that. Jesus says, I I can't do anything on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And again, He's describing His partnership with the Father in the most integrated terms. I don't even self-initiate, Jesus says. You see me doing something? It wasn't my idea. The healing of the layman in Bethesda, not Jesus' idea. It was God's idea. It was the Father's idea. It's because the Father wanted to do it that Jesus did it. And consequently, it's because Jesus did it that the Father wanted to do it. That word initiative, verse 30, I don't do anything on my own initiative in the Greek. It's imautu. And it simply means on my own. I don't do anything on my own. Of my own will. Jesus says this in John 8.28, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. John 8.42 He says, If God were your Father, He would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but He sent me. What does that mean? It means I'm here because God wanted to be here. John 14.10 Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in Me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on My own initiative, but the Father abiding in Me does His works. Even these words coming out of My mouth, this is God talking. That's what He's saying. Can you say that? I mean, maybe not to the degree, obviously, of Jesus, because none of us are God. Thank the Lord. But can you say, I do nothing of my own initiative? Do you say, I am self-initiated or God-initiated? Going back to what we talked about at the beginning, the suffering, the sanctification, all of the struggles of life that He will work through and use in our lives, what is He doing? He is teaching us how to have God initiative. How to do only what we see the Father doing. How to say what we say because that's what the Father would say. How to be so connected to Jesus. Hey, Paul put it this way. 1 Corinthians 2.16 We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Therefore, if I have the mind of Christ, I should be able to function on His initiative and not on my own. So why don't I always function on His initiative? Because I'm stupid. (laughs) Because I'm not using my head. Because I'm not thinking with the mind of Christ. I'm thinking with the mind of Rick, and the mind of Rick is a little messed up. Are we God-initiated in what we do? What we see in Jesus, obviously Jesus is God in the flesh, but that example for us is so powerful. Here He is in human flesh, walking along, speaking, doing, touching, miracles, loving, caring, compassion, mercy, all that, because it's what the Father's doing. And then He turns around and He says to us, and I'm going to give you My Spirit. In fact, My Father and I are going to come and we're going to abide in your heart. Why, Lord? So you can do the same thing. So that you can be God-initiated. So that we can function by His Spirit. 
and not by our own. The witness of resurrection. But Jesus goes on now and He's going to give four more witnesses. We'll go through these quickly. Beginning in verse 31. If I alone testify about myself, He said, my testimony is not true. Wait, wait. Does that mean Jesus is a liar? No, the word true there just means verifiable. And He's right. He can claim all kinds of things, but where's the proof? I can claim stuff, but if I'm the only one to claim it and I don't have some witnesses around me to say, yeah, that's true... Why should you believe me? That's what he's saying. And so he goes on in verse 32 and says, There's another who testifies of me, and I know that the testimony which he gives about me is true. Who's the other? John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit. Any other guesses? Okay. It's God the Father. Holy Spirit. Same Spirit. Same God. There is another, Jesus says, who is testifying about me. How does the Father, or the Spirit for that matter, who is unseen, testify of the Son who is seen? Now, be one of the Jewish people standing there. Wait a minute, you're telling me that there's another who testifies of you. Implication, God. So, how is that possible? Jesus understands, first of all, that Torah law needs a minimum of two witnesses to verify every fact. Right? So he's going right to that, and he doesn't just give two witnesses, he gives four. And the very first one is the witness of the lamp in the wilderness. Now, hang with me, because this will explain how God can be testifying of the Son, how the unseen Father can testify of the seen Son. But the first witness that comes along is the witness of John the Baptist. The lamp in the wilderness, verse 33 you have sent to John and he has testified to the truth. But the testimony which I receive is not from man. But I say these things so that you, so that you may be saved. He, John the Baptist, was the lamp that was burning and was shining and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. Isaiah 40, verse 3, a voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness, make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. John, and many of the people, and many of the leaders accepted that and believed, yes, John, he's the guy. And John said, I'm not the forerunner, but I am a voice in the wilderness, and they would know, Isaiah 40, that's who this guy must be, or at least it's who he's claiming to be. John chapter 1, verse 6, back in the first chapter, Remember we read, there came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light. But he came to testify about the light. And so we talked about before. Remember, John was not the light. He was just a lamp. Think again. Ancient Israel. A lamp. He was a clay lamp. What's a clay lamp do in and of itself? Nothing. you got to put oil in it you got to put in a wick, and then you light it. The lamp doesn't have the power in and of itself. The lamp is simply a lamp. The light that comes out of the lamp has to be from another source. So John's a lamp in the wilderness, but he was lit up. Why? How? By the Spirit of God. So he had the oil in him. He had the flame. He was a bright light. But John and of himself, just a lamp. But did you catch what Jesus said? Listen again to verse 34. The testimony which I receive is not from man. But I say these things so that you may be saved. 
I'll call in John as a witness. I'm, I'm going to bring him up to the stand as, as a witness to me, to testify to me, although I don't need his testimony. But maybe some of you do, so listen to John. He gives John as a witness for their sake, but he himself does not need or rely on, please listen to this, he does not need or rely on human testimony for his credentials. I'm going to put that another way, because it affects our witnessing. Faith in Jesus is never born out of human testimony. You will never make someone else a Christian. You can tell them all about Jesus, but you will never make another believer. Your testimony will never be what causes someone to come to faith in Jesus. Oh, well then, why do it? (laughs) Because we strike the match. He's the divine spark. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives anybody faith. Now we might want to take credit... We might even give credit. Oh, it's because of this person's influence in my life that I came to the Lord. Uh Uh-uh. That person was like John, a lamp. In and of themselves could do nothing. But the Spirit alive in them got hold of your heart. And you believe because God put that faith in you. Which is why all the credit and glory and honor goes to God for anybody's salvation. It is His work. And Jesus, well, Jesus put it this way, John 6.44, No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It's written in the prophets. And they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to Me. Which means for every single one of us in this room tonight, if you are a follower of Jesus, you came to Jesus because Jesus got hold of you. Not because of some pastor or some friend or some billboard or some evangelistic campaign. Isn't it marvelous that God, for all of that truth, still calls us to evangelism? Still invites us? Hey, you guys want to get in on this? I'd love to, Lord. What do we do? Just stand there. Okay. (laughs) Just tell them about me. Okay, I can do that. You know, it's not rocket science. We don't have to have all the scriptures down pat. We don't have to know the Bible inside out. It's good that you're here and you're learning. All we have to do is just say, Hey, you want to come with me to church? Hey, come on, come to church. As I've told you before, I'll buy you lunch. Just come with me to church. We'll stop at Starbucks. I'll get you coffee on the way. Just come. You're not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. But the Spirit is. And that, by the way, is why intercessory prayer is so absolutely vital when it comes to saving people. Because if we're not praying for them, then we're not asking for the power of the Spirit to be at work. We'll get into this more in the next chapter, but the point is simply this, and and not tonight, but the testimony that yields faith is always supernatural. It is always a work of the Spirit. It is not ever a work of man. We strike the match. He's the divine spark. Verse 36. So, that's so much for John the Baptist. Verse 36. But the testimony which I have is greater than John. Greater than the testimony of John for the works which the Father has given me to accomplish the very works that I do testify about me that the Father has sent me. So Jesus is saying, it's not just my word. You don't have to take my word for it. You don't have to take John's word for it. Take the word of my works. 
In other words, the second witness here, the first witness being the witness of the lamp in the wilderness, the second witness is the credentials of the works in Jesus' ministry. Just look at what I'm doing. Look at me, Jesus says. Eyes on me. Check me out, Jesus says. Track my ministry if you want proof of what I'm telling you. And all they had to do, and some did, was follow Him around to see if what He said was legit. I am the resurrection. I have life. And I can give life to whom I will. Follow Him to Nain and see what happens. Walk with Him to the synagogue leader's house and see that little girl raised up alive. Go to Bethany and see Lazarus come walking out of the tomb. The works which I do will confirm the words that I'm speaking to you, Jesus says. Watch the lame get healed. Notice the deaf are now hearing. The sight, the blind have have sight. Isaiah 35 verse 5, and it is one of a number, you know, of Hebrew scriptures. The eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf will be unstopped, and the lame will leap like a deer. And the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. Isaiah 35 verses 5 and 6. Watch what I do, and you tell me, is that the work of Messiah? And he says the same thing later on. Remember, John the Baptist is in prison. And he sends his delegation to Jesus. Are you the one, or should we look for someone else? Sends his disciples. By the way, I think it was Mary who had this idea, and I think it's brilliant. I never thought of this before. I have often in the past said, when John was in prison and sent his delegation to Jesus asking, are you the one or should we look for someone else? It was because John was depressed. And a little shaky now, because he's in prison. Who wouldn't be, right? Mary said, you know, is it possible that maybe he sent his disciples to ask Jesus that question, knowing that he was handing them off to Jesus? That his intention was for them to hear Jesus' answer? That John knew all along. He knew who Jesus was. Of course he did. He baptized him. He saw the Spirit descend on him like a dove. He heard the Father say, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So he knew. So perhaps John was simply just passing the baton. I love that. That's good stuff. Mary will be teaching next week. But what Jesus said to those disciples of John when they came to Him, Luke 7.22, is go and report to John what you have seen and what you have heard. Blind receive sight. Lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. What do you think? Are my works a good witness of who I claim to be? You bet they are. Third witness. So we have the witness of John. We have the witness now of His works. We have the validation of the Word of the Father. Note this. Verse 37. And the Father who sent me, He has testified of me. Stop right there. The Father has already testified of me. Jesus said. Really? How does the unseen Father testify of the seen Son? When did the Father ever bear witness to the Son? At His baptism. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So, Jesus says, if you need a witness, there's one. 
God already did it. He would do it again at the transfiguration. Matthew 17, verse 5. Granted, at that time, it was only Peter, James, and John who heard this. Although, we've heard it for 2,000 years. Matthew 17, 5. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. And there was a third time. And I won't belabor this because we're going to come up to it in John chapter 12, verse 28. It's just before the last Passover. And Jesus says, Father, glorify Your name. And a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And we're told the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. And others were saying, an angel has spoken to Him. And Jesus answered and said, this voice has not come for My sake, but for Your sake. What does He mean? It's testimony. The Father testifying to the Son. That's, that's marvelous. I mean, to me that's remarkable. It's a thought I don't know that I've ever had. I mean, I know God has said, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. But the fact that He did it because He was testifying to the truth of who Jesus was, is. God got in on it. It wasn't only the miracles. It wasn't only the resurrection. It wasn't just John the Baptist and these other things. God the Father said, My son, (laughs) that's my boy. I'm so proud of him. Three times. But some, even to this day, still never hear the testimony. The Father who sent me, He has testified of me. But Jesus goes on, verse 37 You have neither heard His voice at any time nor seen His form. You do not have His Word abiding in you. For you do not believe Him whom He sent. And this is so absolutely key. It's critical to our faith. It is critical to hearing God speak. How do we hear the Father's voice? If you want to hear God speak, it begins, A number one, you have to believe in Him whom He has sent. If you don't believe in Jesus, you will never hear the Father speak. Faith in Jesus comes first. No one has the Holy Spirit of God without faith in the Son. Deny the Son, reject the Son's authority, and you will tune out the Father. And I say this carefully and with grace, that's why so many denominations have gone cold. You know, we talk about, well, that church quenches the Spirit. Number one way to quench the Spirit, deny the full authority of Jesus Christ. Relegate Him to second place in the Trinity and you will not hear the Father speak. You want to hear God? Worship the Son. Elevate the Son. Consider Him in His rightful place. Without Jesus in that position, alongside Father and Spirit, you will not hear the Father speak. You tune Him out. Just like turning off the radio. I believe in Jesus. I believe that He came. I believe He did miracles. But He's Son of God, therefore lesser than God. Or as Jehovah's Witnesses would say, He's created by God. You won't hear the Father. You've just turned Him off. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Do not quench the Spirit. 
And people run around trying to figure that out. What does that mean? How do we quench the Spirit? How do we not quench the Spirit? I don't want to quench the Spirit. What does that mean? (laughs) Believe in the Son, man. Faith in Jesus. Accept His absolute authority over your life, over your judgment. He's the Son. He's God in the flesh. Believe that. Or don't and quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything. See, I love the balance there. Examine everything. Absolutely. Hold fast to that which is good. You don't want to just go nuts. But man, why is it that in so many churches no one ever hears the Lord? Well, because He just doesn't speak to us that way. Yeah, because you don't want to. You don't want to hear Him. Yes, we do. We just don't think it's done that way. Well, I'm begged to differ, but His Word says so. Do not quench the Spirit. We have a, a Kia Soul and a Honda Odyssey. Those are our two cars. Cheryl gets the Odyssey, she needs the protection. I get the Soul, good luck, Rick. <laughs> but the one thing I do get is Sirius XM Radio. Now what's interesting is both of our sound systems in both cars have Sirius XM. But I only get it in the soul. <laughs> Funny name for car. I won't go there. The Kia. I only get to listen to Sirius XM in the Kia. I can never get it in the Odyssey. I can never get it in the van because the car works, the van doesn't. Now, I may not be the brightest bulb on the tree, but I figured this out. That if you want to get Sirius XM radio in the van... You have to subscribe. Thank you. Yeah, it didn't take six months and I knew. I figured it out, you know. I have a subscription. Why am I not hearing? I can hear, you know. They, they have you, by the way. That's their whole marketing thing. You've got to subscribe to both cars. You've got to pay a higher fee to get both cars. Look, it's, it's my radio. Come on. Anyway, you've got to subscribe if you want to hear the Lord. How do you subscribe? Believe in Him who the Father sent. Mm-hmm. If you sit there week in and week out going, man, I, sp- I would love to hear the Lord. I would like to hear God speak. Then elevate your faith in the Son. Mm-hmm. Honor the Son. Glorify the Son. Believe in Jesus. That's where it begins. Where it ends. Oh, we got the whole Gospel of John to deal with that. <laughs> But when you believe in the, in the Lord Jesus, when you understand you can only get the Spirit from Jesus, by the way, you understand Jesus and believe in Jesus because of the testimony of the Spirit. Because He testifies of Jesus. John fifteen twenty six. Again, we'll get here, but when the Helper comes whom I send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about Me. Number one job of the Holy Spirit, to tell you about Jesus. To keep Jesus at the forefront of your life. You know someone's Spirit-filled when they honor and love Jesus. So, if you want to tune in, listen to the Son. The fourth witness, final one, the declaration of the written Word. Verse 39 You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about the church. 
No. 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 It is these that testify about Israel's glorious history. No. It is these, let's be clear, it is these that testify about me. That is a huge claim. And you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. The scriptures testify of me. What scriptures, Jesus? The law and the prophets. The New Testament wasn't even written yet. Of course the New Testament declares and testifies of Jesus. Of course that's the whole point. But my friends, when Jesus said that, He was talking about the Hebrew Scriptures. And now, together having gone through Genesis, through Malachi, we know those Scriptures testify of Jesus and none other. The whole thing, the written Word of God, the grapho in the Greek, from Genesis to Revelation. Psalm 40 verse 7 says, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book, it's written of me. Hebrews 10 verse 7 says the same thing, quoting Psalm 40 verse 7. Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Everything that's been prophesied, the point, the focus is Jesus. The whole Word of God exists to show us Jesus. And I don't, I don't believe I'm overstating that. Maybe in years past I would have been a little more careful in how I proceeded saying that. But my friends, that's what the Bible is here for. To point out Jesus Christ. Amen. To bring us to the Father through the Son. But if we, and here's another denominational issue. In some denominations, not all. I mean, there are, there are denominational churches, they have the name, but man, they are just on fire for Jesus. Praise the Lord. But there are many that have the same issue going on. They take the Bible as nothing more than a self-help guide. Might as well take our Bibles and stick them out there in the church library along with the stuff by Dobson and whoever else. If that's how we're going to look at this book... Well, I like the Proverbs because there's, there's wisdom. I like the Proverbs because they tell me about Jesus. Amen. Well, I read Leviticus because it's just so bizarre. I read Leviticus because the blood is all about His blood. Amen. The point of this book throughout is about Him. Come to this book as a self-help book. You may get a little help. Come to this book looking for the Word made flesh, and everything in it becomes radically personal. Suddenly now we're dealing with a relationship with God rather than just some vague ideas that might help your life or might not. Verse 41. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. Now listen. That is not a harsh, judgmental statement. It's a statement of fact. And it's a sad truth. Jesus says, I don't, I don't receive glory from men. You guys do. Because you don't know the love of God. What do you mean? If you know the love of God, you don't need the approval of men. If you realize, when you realize, as we realize how much God loves us, hey, it means a lot to me when my wife gives me a compliment. But I don't need it when I'm in the presence of the Father. When I realize, when I'm thinking about, when I'm you know, cognizant of God's love for me, I don't need any of y'all's approval 
I have His. <laughs> and that's what Jesus is saying. You don't have the love of God in you. And it's, it's a horrible tragedy, but it's absolutely huge. Jesus doesn't receive glory or validation from men because He has it from His Father. He doesn't need it from anywhere else. The Father has already declared how pleased He is with the Son. This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. That's all I need to hear. That's all I want to hear, really. I've told you before, I want to hear that and I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear God say that to me. I want my Father's approval. So many of us work so hard for the approval of a mom or a dad. And some never get it. And it affects their entire life. And perhaps you struggle with that. I don't have the approval of a dad. Everything my dad says is condemning. Everything my dad says is negative. My mom was always negative, you might say. I'm not saying this about my parents. They might hear this. <laughs> doesn't matter. If you know the love of God, you do not need the approval of man. Amen. Jesus understood that. And He understood that the Pharisees, the scribes, the Jewish leaders, they didn't get it. They were seeking the approval of their fellow Pharisees, of their fellow Jewish leaders, of the rest of the Sanhedrin. <laughs> I have to make sure that these guys you know, think highly of me. Whatever. You know, it really is not the number of friends you have on Facebook. It's not the number of followers you have on Twitter. I think that's hilarious. Will you follow me? Will you follow me? I have ten followers. (laughs) Big deal. It's not the number of associates you have on LinkedIn. It's the love of God. By the way, our kids are being sold a bill of lies with all of the social media. I just uh, deactivated my Facebook account. Don't send me messages. I'm not there anymore. I just finally said, you know, I'm done. I don't need this. Besides, Cheryl has it, so we're good. (laughs) No, I had it in the first place to keep an eye on my kids. So I could be aware of them. So parents, if your kids do have it, you, you be sure you have the same social media your kids do, and it's coming right to your phone. You may be shocked. But it's a lie. The approval of man is empty, it's vapid, it's nothing. I tracked down some old friends on Facebook. Boy, I was thrilled to talk to them. One message, that was it. Wow, that was a deep, meaningful relationship, wasn't it? But the love of my Father, the love of my Father is constant. He loves me with an everlasting love. And that's, Jesus said, that's all I need. I don't receive glory from men, but I know you. That you do not have the love of God in yourselves. Verse 43, I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. And if another comes in his own name, you will receive him. Who's he talking about? Antichrist. Ultimately, Antichrist. Now others came in their own name. Simon bar in the bar revolt. He came in his own name. The rabbis at the time said, he's our guy. He's the Messiah. He's the star that Balaam saw at a distance. He's the man. Shimon, yes. And he was killed. And that starry dream died away. 
But when Jesus says, and it is one of the most, to me, rattling statements Jesus ever makes, that if another comes in his own name, you will receive him, and Israel will receive Antichrist and will call him Savior for about three and a half years. He goes on. Verse 44. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Glory is among the most dangerous lures of man because human validation never lasts. We'll see this down in John chapter 12. I'm sorry I'm going long, but it's Jesus talking. It's not Rick. It's His fault. John 12 verse 42 says, many of the rulers believed in Him. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing. For fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For And this is it. For they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. And that's why I made the statement I just made about social media. Because it's all about the approval of men. And if you chase down the approval of men, you will find yourself loving that approval and needing that approval and you will not seek the approval of God. You'll deny yourself the only love that will validate you eternally. The love of God. Paul says in Galatians 1.10, Am I seeking the favor of men (laughs) or of God? Or am I striving to please man? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Guess what? My job here at the Bridge Fellowship is not to please the shepherds. Sorry, guys. It's not my job. I'm here to please the Father. It's not to please the staff. It's not even to please any of you. Again, my apologies, but I'm here to, to please the Lord. Amen. I have to know that what I do in my life is pleasing to the Father. Amen. Why? Because as Paul said, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. If we're bondservants of Jesus Christ, the only approval we seek is the approval of God. Now, Jesus really takes him to the woodshed on that one. You guys are in the wrong approval business is what he's saying. But he goes on and listen to his heart now as he finishes his own teaching. Verse 45 Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. I love that. How tender is that? I'm not here to accuse you. I'm not pointing out these things because I want to try and bum you out or take you down. I'm not going to accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. Remember what he had previously told Nicodemus? John 3.17 God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through Him. Jesus is in the salvation business not the judgment business. And He's not looking into your life. He's not standing before you to judge you. But as we talked about the reality is as I stand before Jesus I judge myself based on how I respond to Him. He says "I, I won't judge you. I'm not accusing you before the Father but Moses... He's the one who accuses you. Verse 46. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. Another astounding statement. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Jesus doesn't specify what it was that Moses wrote about him. But we've been through Torah. We know. 
We've seen the passages. We've heard it all. Genesis 3.15 I will put enmity, God says, to the serpent between you and the woman. Between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Moses wrote, Jesus said, about me. Genesis 49.10 The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, till Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of all the peoples. Moses wrote about me, Jesus says. Numbers 24.17 I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Jacob, and a scepter shall rise from Israel. Moses wrote about me, Jesus says. Deuteronomy 18.15 The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen, and you shall listen to him. He wrote about me. (laughs) Can I get a witness? All the witnesses of Jesus, all the things that he shared that confirm him and confirm his statement that I have life in me and I am the judge. All the witnesses are still in place right now. The witness of the lamp in the wilderness. Well, we are now that lamp. We are now the voices in the wilderness. We are now calling out, prepare the way for the Lord. That's still in place. The credentials of the works of ministry. We now have the ministry of reconciliation. And so that witness is still there as we love, as we show compassion, as we care for people, and as we serve in this world, we show Jesus. We're witnesses. The validation of the Word of the Father, God still speaks today. Spirit still speaks to His people who elevate and worship Jesus. And finally, we still have before us the declaration of the written Word the Bible. But above all else, you know what your greatest witness is? It is the fact that you have life in the Son. That you and I are already walking in our resurrection. We're already in the first resurrection. As I said earlier, it happened when you were born again. You are in the resurrection right now. Your eternal life has already begun. And it doesn't matter if your physical body dies between now and the rapture. Your eternal life has begun. And I believe our greatest witness for Jesus in this world is living the resurrected eternal life to which we've been called. That's what we have in Jesus, wife and the son. Father, we praise You for the Son. And Lord Jesus, Your words are truly stunning. They set us back on our heels. They rock us a little bit. And yet, Lord, we read these and know and believe that You have the power of life in and of Yourself, the prerogative of judgment, and You, Lord Jesus, are in the place of all our worship and our praise. And we do worship You, Lord, tonight and always. We pray, Lord, be the authority over our lives. We cry out and call out the precious name of Jesus. The only one who saves in Jesus' name. Amen.